0: Welcome back to Unpack Everything, Science Education Reform in the Real World. I'm Dan Voss. Since Sam and I started this podcast, we've explored frontline teacher and backend researcher or developer perspectives on the NGSS and framework for K-12 science education. We've particularly focused on the three dimensions of science and engineering practices, cross concepts, and disciplinary core ideas. Today, Sam and I will reflect back on this work with special attention to why it matters how we teach science. We're also happy to announce that next time one of these podcasts drops in your feed, it'll be a trailer highlighting our plans for the rest of the school year. Thanks for sharing your ears, minds, and voices with us over the last few months, and we're really excited to share what we've got planned next. So with that, here's the show.
1: So, Dan, can you share what we've been hearing from researchers and developers about this vision that they have for the NGSS and their interpretation of it in classrooms?
0: Yeah, it's been really striking as we've talked to every single one of these researchers and developers. And I mean, we I think we've heard things like this from the teachers, too, but it's always been about this idea of students making sense, students figuring out, students doing kind of the mental heavy lifting. And that's just something that feels very different from the way I often experience science growing up, sometimes the way even I've taught it. And that also feels really different from perhaps if you read like, you know, canonical Things in science education going back, at least the way people seem to interpret them, that this, this feels different. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. What what did you get from all of them?
1: Yeah, similar to you, student sense making seems to be at the center of this big shift. I think also not just sense making about science, but like sense making about science that's relevant. To students like it's something that they either see in their world or it's a big problem that people are experiencing giving it some kind of meaning and some context to make sense of and i think also we've we've spent time digging in separately to all of these three dimensions but all of our guests have also made it pretty clear that you can't do one without the other and making sense of these real world phenomena kind of makes those different dimensions come out organically if we're trying to make sense of something that's real and not diluted down to like a lab experience that we can do in 30 minutes in our classroom and then move on from it. So I think that all of that together feels like a pretty big shift for teachers in the way that we would be preparing to teach And what we would expect students to be sharing with us each day in class.
0: Yeah, I think you hit on something really important there that is we're having students make sense, figure things out. That necessarily requires them to be thinking more like scientists. It requires them to structure their thinking in particular ways that are more authentic to the discipline than if we're asking them just to repeat things back. And so if we think about the three dimensions, like you mentioned, that means that students are actually doing something intellectually, that's the practice. They are developing a model, they are using mathematical thinking, they are doing something like that. And then like they have to use some sort of lens, especially when they first encounter something, it has to come from somewhere. That's the cross-cutting concept. They have to, as they build their model, they're drawing on ideas about systems or they're drawing on ideas about cause and effect. And this happens in the context of a particular discipline. And so one thing that I've really gotten from these last few months is starting to think more clearly about what it means for students to work within a discipline. And that means they're, they're doing something. They're doing what scientists do. It's not just that you, know, you, you give them some sort of task and they don't know why they're doing it. They actually have to be doing things for a specific reason with the goal of figuring things out. I think, too, with that, it's important to recognize that like it has to be something relevant. It has to be something in their world. And that might even be the bigger shift in some ways, is like science is not something that is being portrayed as what you do if you're one of these fancy special people with unique skills. It's something that is actually an interwoven part of our world, wherever we are and whoever we are.
1: I think from my own experience attempting to teach this way, I think that shift has been felt by students too, in a unique way where they maybe have learned science the more traditional way in their previous classes. And then they get to me in 11th grade and I'm trying to teach it to them differently. And they're like, but we're just learning like about stuff in our life. Like, is this even a science class? and sometimes they think that they're not doing anything because it's like we're just trying to figure out stuff around them but then when we look back at all of like the little things that we've learned about how that thing around them actually works they're like oh i guess that <laughs> i guess we did do a lot i guess this really is science so like having them shift the, what their perspective is about like doing a science class or like what do what's my role as the student is also a shift, not just in the teacher's perspective.
0: Yeah, to students that that feels really different. And I think with that, I want to address like what we what we really gain from that. And, you know, a lot of this is based on learning science research. We're still seeing how it all weaves together in the classroom. But We've heard several different guests talk about how fun this is, but not just fun for fun's sake, right? It's fun for building confidence in the ability to do this work. And then that leads to a question like, why do we want students to do this work? Talking to teachers about this, a lot of people do say, "Well, I want my you know I, I want my students to be scientists and engineers if that's what they want." If you talk to people in business about it, they say, we need scientists and engineers. If you dig into the literature, you know that which particular STEM people we need is maybe a little bit more of a matter of debate. But the thing that we see from teachers, which I think is most notable, most important, comes up over and over again, is I want students to be able to talk to each other. I want them to be able to think. I want them to understand and love and appreciate their world. So if there's actually this really interesting paper, like, keeps coming up into my mind. It's by Lavery. And basically, he talked about why we do school. He said it could be for social efficiency. You know, we're trying to get people trained up into jobs. That's what, you know, maybe the business people I talked about are wanting. We could do it for purposes of kind of like social mobility. We're trying to give all students access to all sorts of careers, which is noble. But the thing that's really resonating here with me is, you know, our goal is not to turn students into scientists although we want that to be an option. We're trying to get students to engage in the basic work that we do every day in a democracy. We're trying to get students to work together. We're trying to get students to develop reasoned arguments from evidence. And we're trying to get students to actually question the world around them and figure out what's going on. And so to do that in a scientific context and in the context of things that we care about and have fun doing. Just that mixture to me is incredibly powerful.
1: Yeah, that really resonates with me too. I think that what we've heard a lot of the time as a challenge also connects with that like payoff in the end, like although it may be a challenge to get students to talk to each other when they do talk to each other and they start building that community and the culture of sense making together, That confidence builds that excitement builds then they can realize that they can do this outside of your classroom too and they can become a person in the world that is able to make sense of things that they're interested in learning about
0: yeah and sam you've hinted at this a bit but like as a teacher trying to do this work could you just kind of return us to those challenges like what evidence of that do you see along the way that like oh this is not going to be immediate But then also, I'd love to hear about like what types of successes, what does that look like to you? And what have we heard our guests say that that looks like to them?
1: I think that the challenges come up because of how different this feels for teachers and for students and for parents and for administrators, like on all levels, there's a shift that needs to happen for this to feel comfortable for anyone and i think that a lot of it has to deal with the expectations that we set for students or for what they're going to be doing or learning on a daily basis but i think that when i when i'm thinking about this question i'm i keep coming back to sense making in my mind like in the past i'm maybe didn't value sense-making as much as I do now, or I didn't think about my students' sense-making as I'm planning or on the day-to-day of like my interactions with them. It was more about what's the information that I want them to know. And then I'm gonna try to relay that as best as I can, maybe give them some experience with those ideas. And then eventually they're gonna need to tell them me again so that I can know that they know them but now that I am thinking of my work with students as trying to get them to make sense of the world around them there's not as much black and white right and wrong going on as there is in like what do my students think right now at the start of this unit and then every day Trying to check in with them more to see what they're thinking now and how their thinking has shifted, and what things that we've done in class, what ideas they've gathered, what evidence they've collected that they're putting together and changing their ideas or connecting things to make sense of them in a different way that they haven't before. And that's tricky to do in terms of assessment. It's less like, Yes, 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 no, yes. Like you've gotten these things and not this one. And it's more of like trying to put the puzzle together and know what the picture is showing at the same time. And I think that it's made me a better teacher because I know my students way more than I used to. I can gauge more readily, like what I need to do next. But I don't know that 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 always comes across on like an evaluation or uh, in my grade book when I'm trying to relay that to others that are not in my classroom on the day to day.
0: So what I'm hearing from you is that the how we know it's working, the grade itself does not always capture all of that evidence that you're actually seeing.
1: Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of conversations that happen that give me so much more insight than what gets put on a paper.
0: Yeah. I'm thinking it would be really nice if we had some episodes focused on that idea of assessment. We, we might have to come back to that, but
1: yeah, I'm excited to hear from others about their experience with assessment. Cause I know that's been a tricky part for me in my journey through this. And I've heard from many other teachers that thinking about assessment is is the trickiest part of this shift for them, so:
0: Yeah, I will say it absolutely can be captured in in the gradebook, though. It absolutely can be, and it's really cool when it is. If we think about like how we know it's working, I reflect back on one particular student I had pretty pretty early in my career who was killing it all semester, and then on you know some sort of like exit ticket type thing, I try to get general reflections, and the student said this is the first class in which I felt smart at science or good at science or something. I'm like, what? What do you mean? This kid's this kid's killing it. Like the, this kid got it, and I looked at past grades, and they were bad. <laughs> like they were bad. I'm like, really? Like what? Yeah. What's different? And. You know, I think there's I, like thinking about that, thinking about those ideas of confidence and joy again. You see it working for a student for whom school, particularly school science, has not worked before, showing that actually, no way. I, I think we we tend to underestimate who can do science in our world, or who who it's accessible to. Mm-hmm. That's that's really awesome. Now that's that's obviously not every student, sadly, but but just seeing that once, and then you know, seeing maybe lesser less, whoa, that this is incredible versions that in the future, I think is really powerful.
1: I think too, just like the way that students are able to speak about the things that they have figured out now compared to how they used to, there's like a much more robust knowledge base that they have now that they can speak about experiences that they've had in the past outside of our class that they now can explain better with the evidence that we've gathered, and if we are trying to tie everything back together to this anchoring phenomenon, we're trying to figure out like putting together weeks' worth of evidence in the blink of an eye so that they can explain everything in ways that i I think would be very challenging for my students to do in previous years that hadn't learned in this way.
0: Yeah, and as we think about the current generation of students, And I mean, Sam and I have worked mainly in the high school space, so we're talking about high schoolers, which the high schoolers are now are still Gen Z, right?
1: I think so, yeah.
0: Gen Gen Alpha is like just starting to get online and whatever. But Gen Z, what I find really interesting about them is they know a shocking amount of things that are going on in the world. They've encountered it in a very different way than you or I might have growing up, (laughs) but those little tidbits are there. And so I feel like there's this really nice, I hate this word, but I don't know another word for it. There's this really nice synergy. It complements each other really well of asking these students who are so connected to all these different things and maybe bouncing between them a bit too much to grab onto one for a while. And like, know what, we're really going to try to understand what's happening here. Bringing in the resources we have from all the other pieces we're aware of in the world. Yeah, no, that, that, that just seems to make sense to me.
1: And giving them a chance to go much deeper on something that they have like a very shallow understanding of because they've seen a quick video about it. I think that's also teaching them like that it's okay to to see something and then have lots of questions and get to dive in deeper about it. Like it's encouraging them to do that, to build up that behavior.
0: Yeah. And that and that need to go deep. You know, I th- I think there's a tendency to say, well, you know, we used to do that, you know, we used to do that on our own without just off of textbooks or whatever or through other media. But as we look at this sorry, I'm taking this way far afield. But as we think about like the style of of like the science media students consume, like have you watched Bill Nye lately? It's all these like couple minute segments. Like it's honestly not that different from TikToks mm. in terms of just like giving us it's you know, it's as much as you know, we we love St. Bill Nye, it's these little nuggets and you know, it's it's teasing ideas. We want to help, you know, while still having fun, while still engaging students with these cool things in their world, like giving them the chance and helping them dig deeper to realize the joy of not just being satisfied with a nugget, with really trying to get the whole vein of gold that that nugget's a little piece of.
1: I love that. Dan, do you want to wrap up by telling us your science education resolution for this year, for 2024?
0: Sure. Sure. So this is not just science education. This is general, but I think it has a lot of applicability with the work I do in this area too. I want to have fun this year. There are so many valuable things that can be done in this world and that one can do with their lives. And also there's so many things which, you know, you kind of tend to do in the moment, which are just straight up distractions that keep you from doing something more Meaningful when you think about, you know, just surfing the internet. I want to do things this year which are fun and fulfilling. And that includes taking on, you know, the the work in science education that I find most fun and most fulfilling. Part of which is hanging out with you and our guests.
1: Yay. That's an awesome goal. I love that. Mine, I think, is a little more specific to my classroom because. We are, so we're at this moment, we're finishing up our midterms. We're like exactly at the midway point of the year. And I've noticed that my kids have gotten a lot more comfortable sharing their ideas with me. Like they're pretty vulnerable with their thinking when they're talking to me side by side at their desk, but talking across to their peers, even if it's just with one partner or across to the whole class, they're still not very comfortable doing that. So my goal is to work on that with them, to to give them more tools, sentence starters, talk moves, some kind of something that can help them stretch those muscles a little bit more because I know that they can do it. They do it with me, but it's breaking that barrier of like this person is my same age and might judge me more than than Mrs. Pinter will. So that's one of my big goals for the rest of this school year.
0: I love it. So with that, Happy New Year, y'all, and we'll catch you soon.